what I dive in Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. Uh, it is Friday and time for our uh, Raw Recovery. So let's get started. Today we have Jay on the show. Jay was uh, brought to us through our promoter. As you guys know, Jill has been doing a lot of work um, finding speakers uh, that uh, want to come on and uh, talk about their recovery in the rawest form possible. Um, I myself just got to know Jay a little bit. Um, I already like him. He's wearing a Hulk shirt. I've got on my Wolverine. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, uh, Jay does network marketing, but he is also a fellow drummer. Uh, I love musicians in recovery. Uh, music in Colorado is actually kind of going that way. Um, and he's coming up on two years of sobriety here in October. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dion. Certainly. It is good to, it is good to have you here. And I am excited. Um, I always like meeting new people and talking to them about their stories because I get to discover things new while the audience does too. Um, it makes it a little bit more challenging for me, but eh, that's okay. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so, uh, Jay, why don't you give us a little bit of idea about yourself? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I... Uh... I was born on the East Coast, so I was okay. uh, born in, in New Jersey, unfortunately, and uh, <laughs> moved out here when I was about three years old, so I didn't really, don't really remember it okay. too much. Um, so I was raised out here in Colorado, in Aurora, and uh, just recently moved up, by recently, I say about two years ago, okay. up to the Thornton area. Okay. Yeah, but I consider myself Colorado native, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I moved here when I was nine. I mean, I'm a Colorado native. Um, yeah, and and don't feel bad. I'm from Utah, so um, yeah, we're so we're all right. Yeah, talk about total opposites, Jersey and Utah. So for sure, <laughs> yeah, they so are. You, you grew it. You grew up in Aurora, the biggest city in Colorado. What was that yep. like? Well, I grew up in the suburbs. Um, you know, Aurora's kind of got a lot of different. Um, areas to it diversity it's very diverse it's it's a huge it's a huge city like you said what was that like uh probably like anywhere else you know growing up growing up kind of sucks it's weird um (laughs) (laughs) you know that's that's probably where things uh you know for me kind of took a turn Mm -hmm. was was kind of my early youth um so growing up in aurora my memories of it are kind of hit or miss you know there's some really good memories Okay. A lot, a lot of bad memories too. Sure. Um, but, but overall, Aurora, you know, it's it's a decent area. It is what mm-hmm. you make of it, right? Yeah, you it know? is. I lo- I live in Aurora. I li- and I've lived all over the state. I love and I love living here. Mm-hmm. I have never been treated so good in my life. Um, I you know I went uh, the when we moved here a year and a half ago, went to the store, and everybody was giving me bro nods. I'm like. <laughs> This hasn't happened in for so I love living here. I love the diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love culture. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I really like it here. 
Yeah, I don't get a lot of bro nods up here. That sounds nice. It is. You know, just for people I don't know. Hey, how you doing? People that genuinely care that you're feeling good. I know. Yeah. Weird. That is weird. <laughs> That's cool, though. Fantastic. So, let's... Uh, where did your drinking career start or your drinking or drugging? I don't even know if it was drinking or drugs yet. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. I definitely consider myself an alcoholic and an addict. Okay. A lot of people that I meet in recovery, you know, Mm -hmm. seems like one thing leads to another. Where did it start? Um, Probably like a lot of us in, in my youth, you know, um, Okay. people that started later on, of course, and everybody's got their own. I started off pretty young, you know, um, I don't think, you know, my, my, I remember my parents always telling me, um, you gotta be careful because alcoholism runs in our blood. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, well, what is that? What is yeah. alcoholism? Like, yeah. will I know if I have it? And <laughs> also I'm pretty sure that I don't have it. Um, but the funny thing is, is, you know, first time I picked up a drink, I'm pretty sure I got drunk. Yeah. And then the next time after that, you know, it was never just, a beverage to enjoy no. right off the bat. It was, um, I liked the effect of it. Yeah. So I would say probably started around, you know, 13, 13, 14. Sure. Yeah. That's about when I started. Um, right. Well, and so what happened to you at that point? Did you, um, did things change for you? I mean, did you start getting more friends? Something would have had to happen to make you enjoy it more. Well, you know, these are great questions. I, uh, you know, you don't really think of it, think of these kind of things too often. Um, I think what happened for me is, you know, kind of like a blanket of comfort, mm-hmm. more or less from emotional comfort and also freedom from uh, boredom ah. and, and emotions, you know. Um, but instantly I just started getting in trouble, mm-hmm. you know. My, my parents weren't the type that condoned that. Okay. And I was not good at hiding it. So, <laughs> you know, right away, I just was instantly always in trouble. And for me, it started off with, um, with drinking. And then, you know, I think that kind of changed my mindset to the type of people I wanted to hang out with. Yeah. I started hanging out with kind of more of like the rough mm-hmm. group in school. And then that introduced me to other things like yep. weed um, and later on harder drugs. So, you know, started off with the drinking. And then once I discovered marijuana, that was, that was my new pride and joy. Ah. They were usually hand in hand, but. Um, oh yeah. They would go hand in hand for me for sure. Oh yeah. But yeah, I was just constantly in trouble for doing those things. And ironically, when I was in trouble, the only way that I knew how to deal with those emotions mm-hmm was to do more of it so alcoholic um tendencies right off the bat yeah (laughs) yeah i guess your parents were were spot probably spot on then did they come from alcohol an alcoholic family is that kind of why usually that's yeah that's usually the course so so it's kind of i believe i believe so you know I've, i've met my grandparents um neither side seemed to be alcoholics actually i'm pretty sure that they were not Okay. And so maybe it skipped a generation or I don't know where that information I, came from. Yeah. Well, you never know, you know, it came from somewhere, but it was it it was kind of cool to hear that your parents were trying to stop a generational cycle. 
Um, and that's cool because it can end with you. you know? mm-hmm. That cycle can end with you, which is yeah. really cool. You um, know, and I'm, I don't know if I, um, you know, prescribe to the belief that alcoholism is something that's passed on in your genes. I, okay. It could be. I don't know. You know. Yeah, we're not. I'm doctors, an agnostic. Uh, Okay. What with that, with that, you know, yeah, I'm, I get it, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't seen it in my family. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of believe that I was just, um, an anomaly. Okay. You know, my, the rest of my family is pretty, pretty well off. Okay. I think I'm kind of the, just a gem if you will. Okay. You know? Yeah. Let's call it a gem. I like the way that you put that because otherwise we're known as, you know, the black sheep of the family or, right. you know, just because you have a disease doesn't make you, uh, it might make you a little different from, from normal people, but it also gives you the ability to do more good than normal people. So I would, I would say so, you know, there's a lot of gifts that come with uh, having this disease and, you know, everybody that I know for the most part has something they're struggling with. Sure. I think sure. everybody's got something going on. <clears throat> Ours is just typically a little bit more obvious and a little bit more destructive to sure. people around us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then when you have uh, kids like you and I, cause I was the same way. Um, I wasn't very good at hiding it. I just didn't try. I didn't care. I'm like, if I get caught, so what? I have alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always thought it would be on my side, uh, but I, I'm doing it. You know, I, I regress a little bit here. Let's get back to your story. I keep a, uh, I keep uh, interjecting here, but it's really interesting. So um, great. So we're in high school and I'm going to go ahead and be quiet for a little while. Let you tell tell your story here. Oh, no, I like the back and forth. It helps me figure out what to say because, you know, I get a little bit lost if I just got to talk for a while. So <laughs> feel free to jump in. But I yeah, mean, uh, certainly. Yeah. You know, trying to hide it the best I could. Um, you know, I, I started smoking cigarettes around this time, too. Okay. So trying to hide all three of those things is pretty impossible. Mm-hmm. So I ended up spending the majority of my um, late, you know, middle school and all of my high school time, you know, grounded. Yep. My parents tried, to, that was their technique was to mm-hmm. ground me. Um, and, you know, me being uh, a re- rebellious type, I, I just wouldn't stand for that. So I, I would sneak out and yep. I would do what I had to do. I'd steal from, you know, I started stealing pretty early on mm-hmm. to get what I needed. Cause when you're that young, how can you afford, you know, you can't afford that uh, habit. Yeah. So of course that led to more trouble and it just became this cycle where I was okay. just always in trouble and yep. uh, constantly, you know, medicating it with drugs, alcohol, and what have you. So that continued on, um, you know, until, until, uh, until I think I was about 18 or 19 and, you know, things got really, really bad or my parents just weren't sure what to do with me. And I was very depressed and I looked just beaten down already at that age. I probably mm-hmm. um, looked like five, 10 years older than a lot of the kids that I know. Sure. Yeah hung out with um and so yeah they just weren't sure what to do with me and i was very upset at them of course at my parents well certainly yeah it's their fault it's their fault Mm -hmm. you know it was all their fault if they would have just handled me differently or just accepted what i wanted to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything would have been just fine (laughs) 
<laughs> Everything would have just been fine. So I put all the blame on them, and mm-hmm. it just became, um, you know, a explosive environment. And eventually, it did explode more mm-hmm. or less, and it was uh, an option opened up for me to move out and <clears throat> move in with my grandparents who were in New Jersey. Okay. And I figured that that was the key because they're not gonna they're not gonna discipline me. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're really relaxed. Okay. Um, with that kind of stuff. So I moved in with them and things went really well for a while. And we would smoke weed together. I'd smoke with my grandparents, they smoked. And um, you know, at this point my parents gave up on trying to stop me from smoking cigarettes. I think they were my parents were buying me packs of cigarettes before I ended up moving in with my grandparents. They just caved uh-huh. on that. But yeah, moving in with my grandparents after a while, things uh, started kind of mirroring my situation with my parents, of course, because I, you know, was unemployable. Um, uh-huh. I tried finding some jobs. At this point, I was doing harder drugs as well. Uh-huh. You know, doing cocaine was kind of the one thing that I wasn't terribly afraid of, um, which is which is weird, you know, like crack and like yeah. heroin and stuff. I would never do that. Never do that. But, <laughs> But Coke was, it was okay. It was yeah. <laughs> well, it's the refined drug. It's refined. Yeah. They call it the rich man's drug. So I yeah. felt rich when I was doing it. This is what all the rich people do. That's and, right. Yeah. This is what famous drummers do. They do Coke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mindset, you know, the mindset, you know, like I, I tell people that, you know, I always saw alcoholics as people underneath, living underneath bridges. Mm-hmm. And finally, I was living underneath a bridge, and I said, "No, I meant that bridge." You know, <laughs> it never got there. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. That's how I looked at uh, alcoholics too. It certainly wasn't me. Yeah, it certainly wasn't me. Yeah, so you know that that was kind of the you know I crossed that thin red line, so to speak, when I started mm-hmm. doing the harder drugs. It just had a whole different effect, you know. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. Uh, where you're used to doing downers and you you throw that in the mix. And then all of a sudden I'm just kind of having, you know, really scary behavior Mm -hmm. starting to happen. So, you know, it got pretty bad with my grandparents and they ended up, um, you know, just kind of exposing some of my like deepest, darkest secrets with that kind of stuff. You know, they, they walked in and I was like, doing blow all night and it was like 3 a.m and i was just asleep in my chair and they thought i was dead mm-hmm. coke was one of those things it could just prolong the buzz yeah it's like you know it's like being able to extend that buzz as long as you have the coke yeah you know? so whereas i used to go to sleep at maybe one or two i'd be up till four or five mm. or six oh yeah. easy up. and you can't hide that you know no you, you can't and you can just see it all over you. What the hell is going on mm-hmm. with you? You look like a ghost. So uh, yeah, your eyes are wide. You know, you're twitching everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. The problem with coke is I loved it. So yeah, just I, like everything else. Yeah, it's it's just a whole different thing. So and obviously I was unemployable doing that kind of stuff. You know, I would try to have jobs, but I'd go in hungover. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing blow all night. That's a whole different level of yeah. um, hungover, yeah. you know. Um, so I, I was losing jobs left and right. And 
eventually my grandparents gave me an ultimatum and said, you know, we've tried this. It's been like a year, maybe two years or something, probably a year. Uh They said either you've got to quit drinking or you got to go move back in with your, with your folks. And I, that was, it was like, you know, that was for me, like, um, as bad as it gets <laughs> back in with an ulti- ultimatum from your grandparents. Sure. Yep. So they actually suggested AA and this was back in, you know, 2007 or eight, maybe. Okay. Um, and they took me to my first AA meeting, dropped me off and went inside and it was a bunch of, you know, older mm-hmm. people they were all minimum in their thirties or forties. And I was about 18 or 19. Okay. And I just remember the environment in AA, they just, uh, I don't know. It was, you know, when you go in your first meeting, you don't enjoy <laughs> it. I don't think anybody enjoyed their first meeting. No, I meeting. did not. Mm-mm. Such a weird thing to experience. And obviously I couldn't relate to anybody there. Um, not only because, you know, where they're at in their lives and in recovery, but also there was an age gap. Yep. So I said, this doesn't work. And they said, well, let's try something else. And I found out about Narcotics Anonymous and, and went to that. And that okay. was a younger crowd. Yes, it is. There was some pretty girls in there. And I, like, <laughs> I can stay here. That was what I needed, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to go. The pretty girls are going to be there, Grandma. Yeah, hey. I'll be there. Yeah. And, you know, I had no social life at all. <laughs> yeah. So I was desperate for friends, and that seemed like a place maybe where I could do it. Yeah. And I had to get sober no matter what, and that seemed like a way to do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I kept coming back to those meetings, and eventually I started hearing stuff that kind of clicked with me and just started uh, – you know, accepting maybe I'm an alcoholic. You know, I, I remember opening up the book for the first time and okay. I was at, at, a, at a park and I was reading something about it and it was talking about alcoholism being a disease. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point I was like, finally, you know, I understand what's wrong with me. I've been searching my whole life to figure out why am I yeah. <laughs> destructive like this? I'm like, this is why. Yeah. And I think at that point I was kind of like, great, I finally have a... a scapegoat mm-hmm. that nobody can debate me on you know <laughs> see it wasn't my fault after all yeah it's not my <laughs> fault <Amy-bitch. laughs> so you know i bought i bought into that pretty quickly and started slowly taking the suggestions started working the steps i got a sponsor who okay was, he was uh um just a cool, cool guy, man. Super relaxed. Okay. Um, he was the only sponsor I ever got during that time. And he, he would just always say this, you know, say, get another day, brother. That was his thing. Okay. It doesn't matter what the hell's going on. It doesn't matter, how, you know, what chip I'm picking up. Because I got to a year, I got to two years, I got to three years, I got to four years. Mm-hmm. And every time, he's like, get another day, brother. Yep. <laughs> That was it. I never really understood that. I'm like, aren't you proud of me? Like, aren't I doing good? <laughs> I, but ironically, I got four years um, sober. Huh? And I think, you know, we called it clean in NA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was four years clean and sober. Clean sober and sober, kind of yeah. 
sober being kind of the minor and clean being the major in that. Yeah. Yeah. But I only got to step four. I never really bought into the steps. I thought that the meetings were the key. Okay. And, you know, had, I had friends in NA and we would, you know, we would do really fun things together. I remember going on uh, camping trips mm-hmm. and just doing all sorts of cool stuff with them, going to dances and things. And, you yep. know, I finally had a social life and people that liked me and I got a girlfriend and all this stuff. And I just thought I had it, man. And I, I was employable, mm-hmm. you know, young, employable, um, and starting to get money. I bought this really nice car that I couldn't nice. afford. Yep. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, you know, it's, it's, it, it worked for four years for me, but I didn't understand the program. You know, okay. I wasn't really doing it. And uh, after four years, my mom ended up uh, committing suicide. Okay. And that's, you know, when things kind of took a turn for the worst. Actually, it was yeah. probably three and a half years because I lasted about six months after she passed away. And, um, you know, I, I went on a trip with my dad because okay. I was making money at this point. And I, you know, I bought him a ticket to go to the um, uh, uh, Nassau. Okay. Yeah. What is that? What is that? The Bahamas? Um, so, yeah, it's some of the, I'm not allowed to leave the country, so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I am sorry to hear about your mother, though, brother. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That was quite a few years ago now. Um, but you know, that was, that was crazy going through that while being sober, man. I, I, that was, that was rough. That had to be rough. Yep. And, uh, you know, um, I stopped going to meetings at this point. So I didn't, okay. go, you know, I think a lot of people I see now that go through that, that kind of stuff, they dive into the meetings mm-hmm. and, after three, you know, I ended up moving um, three years into my sobriety because <clears throat> I found this great job and they wanted me to move to Florida. And once I moved to Florida, all my friends were gone. The meetings yep. I was going to, I couldn't go to anymore. And I just, you know, at this point, my, my uh, desire shifted from recovery, if you want to call it that, to mm-hmm. career. Cause I'm like, yeah. I fix, I'm fixed. I know my, I understand my condition now. Mm-hmm. I get it. I have all these tools in my pocket. Like I'm, I'm good to go and live life more or less. So I stopped going to meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that happened, you know, I didn't really have people to help me through it. And, you know, so back to what I was saying, I was in the Bahamas, brought my dad there and I just had this, you know, I saw everybody with those freaking coconut drinks. Yep. And, you know, I was, uh, I turned 21 in the room, so I never drank legally. I never yeah. had a coconut drink because you can't buy those. You can't mm-hmm. steal those from anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to a bar or somewhere to get that. And I was like, I really, those look freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. I was like, dad, let's get one of those and let's have a toast to mom. That was my, that was my reason. Cause that was the okay. whole reason I brought him. Yep. And I remember it. I didn't get a coconut drink. I got a beer. Okay. And um, I got one beer and then I think I got another beer mm-hmm. and me and my dad were talking and talking about my mom, sharing memories and everything. We ended up going up to our rooms and I was like, man, I really could go for another. Yeah. And I remember going down and trying to find the bar and they were closed and I had to, I was miserable cause I was just, 
not having the buzz I wanted to get. Yep. And uh, ended up going to, to sleep. And I think the next day I did have a coconut drink and a few more beers. And everybody around me knew I was sober. So this was very strange for them to see me doing this. Certainly. Yeah. But nobody, nobody stopped me. Yeah. Nobody said anything. Sure. Nobody said a thing. You know, I, my dad always told me that he didn't think that it was wise for me to call myself an alcoholic. I'm, he said that I was too young to make that kind of a decision. Okay. Yeah. And so he didn't stop me, even though he knew what I was, what I've been through and you know what I was doing. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I started up again. And after that, it was just insanity. Mm-hmm. insanity. I, I quickly lost that nice job I had. Um, yeah, it isn't going to take long. And, I, and you probably found that your tolerance didn't go down. Huh? You could drink just as much as you could before. Yeah, it was a slow, because I really tried my best to limit myself. Okay. For me, it was a slow process getting back to where i was okay it was very slow i think it all right several several months okay and only only once i uh lost my job did i start buying the cases of beer and drinking them in a night again. Mm-hmm. okay so you know it's all kind of a fog honestly mm-hmm. that was such a strange time in my life well you know you were going through a lot of trauma yeah and when we go through trauma, um, our brains will block out certain events. It'll it'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's a defense mechanism. We can't help it. So I get a lot of alcoholics and addicts go through that. Um, they're like, I just I can't remember. So we do the best that we can to to describe it. But that's what that is. And yeah. every human being goes through that. We go through something traumatic. And our brain will block certain things. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it just seems like I, you know, it's hard for me to fill in the gaps between that moment when I picked up the drink, and then where I ended up being unemployed, living off of unemployment. Mm-hmm. That ending, um, my girlfriend at the time cheating on me and moving out. Okay, and me being very, very close to being homeless, mm-hmm. and. You know, it was, it's just like, it was just like a snap of a finger that that happened. I know it took a long time for that to happen, maybe six months or a year sure. to really get back to that point. Um, but eventually, you know, I was right back um, smoking weed, doing cocaine and drinking. Mm. Yep. It didn't take that long. Mm-hmm. And I still had all my NA uh key tags because that's you know what they yeah you get keychains in na yeah yeah little little uh plastic keychain things i still kept all those all of my na literature was in my desk drawer that i never Uh opened that was kind of like you know (laughs) that forbidden drawer (laughs) it's a bad drawer i know it's good i know that it's good it's good memories there's a reason i'm keeping this stuff Mm -hmm. but i won't open it yeah i won't open it yet yeah yeah well yeah. So, I mean, I didn't go into that drawer and it took, I think, uh, you know, eight or nine years for me to open that drawer again. Okay. And, and, and by open that drawer, I mean, come back in the room. So I yeah, was, you know, I get it. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than a, than a belly full of, of alcohol and a head full of AA. 
Yeah. Oh, and you're describing my relapse. I relapsed at 12 years. Same, yeah, same thing. You know, maybe not the same circumstances, but I did the same actions, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe it didn't happen overnight, but yeah, but within a year I was homeless again, you know, so mm -hmm. the progression of the disease never, ever stops. That's what's so mm -hmm. scary about it. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. So, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, I, I got exposed to it, to, to the, to the, to the, you know, to the way of living, of recovery. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that, and then here I, I am just like you just said. So, you know, nine years of that. And somehow, I don't know, man, this is, you know, where God comes into play. Cause yeah. I was out there for nine years and um, I got married towards mm -hmm. the end of it. You know, I was living from place to place. I lived with my sister for a while in Virginia. Okay. And then my goal was just, I need to get back to Colorado cause that's where I'll be okay. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm going to find true happiness. And I got back to Colorado and moved in with an old high school buddy. All right. Blackout drunks every single night. Mm -hmm. he was, his drinking progressed a lot in those several years. Okay. And things got pretty bad, you know, pretty bad. Um, and, but I got married and I ended up finding a girl and, and she was great. And she ended up, um, you know, saving my life more or mm -hmm. less which I believe was God mm -hmm. working Absolutely. Because I, I was at a jumping off point, you know, okay. where I was probably going to die from my drinking or hurt somebody and go to jail. I was yeah. very, very close to that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she came into my life and we ended up getting a place together. I started getting various jobs while still trying to manage my drinking and my drug use. Um, yeah, I, I tried to stop doing the blow mm -hmm. and, you know, we were, me and, and this gal were together for about four years. We were dating for two and then we got married after two years. Okay. And after, you know, I got married, um, you know, my, it just kind of went back to my default, which was, uh, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing over there? You all right? No, I hit my elbow. So, oh. and it wasn't very funny. So, so sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they call it that. It's more of like a tingly shock feeling. Yeah, sure. Right? I think they just call it that because it's the humorous bone. Mm. Uh, play on words. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that distraction. So. No, it's okay, man. I don't, I don't like to just blab on and blab on. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> Well, I guess I do. I mean, this is pretty cool. You don't really get a lot of opportunities to really think about a lot of this stuff. So sure. Cool. You know, and, and that's why we, you know, that's why we put this together to create a place for people to, to come in and talk and have a conversation about things going on, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's why we, and that's why we do this, man. Everybody's story is, is a little different and every chance that we can to help somebody else figure out the program, then we got to do it. And that's why we're here. So um, I feel the psychic change coming up in your store. Oh, yeah, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> we're getting there. You know, that was, uh, that, that's, that's happened for sure. Oh, but it didn't happen yet at this part of the story. So I'm okay. married and, you know, I started doing this thing where, you know, when I was growing up living with my family, I was in my room grounded all the time. Sure. 
and I would just get high and drink and I would do my best to hide it. And I ended up doing that in my marriage where I would okay. just kind of lock myself away, go show my face as much as, uh, as I felt like was required, help mm-hmm. out as, as much as I could, which was not very much. And, um, man, it was, it was really rough looking back mm-hmm. at it the way that I kind of, um, you know, treated my ex who more or less saved my life, mm-hmm. but things escalated. The blow came back into my life. Okay. And once I started doing Coke again, that is when things started getting really bad Yeah. again, of course. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a cycle with yep. just a different, vicious, different, different audience. Yeah. Vicious cycle. Yep. <clears throat> so I never really uh, understood, you know, why is my life always like this? Why does it always come back to this? You know, um, you know, but here we are, same pattern, same, same substances. So yeah. And then, uh, same kind of thing happened as my, my wife gave me an ultimatum and she's, she never said stop or I'm going to leave. She just left. Okay. And she just moved in with her parents and that's when I was like, I was broke. I was unemployed. I got down to my last dollar and I wouldn't have been able to afford my habits anymore Mm -hmm. unless I started stealing and stuff again. Yep. And there's nobody to steal from anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're all gone. (laughs) They're all gone. Um, So, you know, I remember um, smoking my last bowl and drinking my last beers and saying, this is it. I did that, you know, um, I think the first of October and I went into AA this time. Okay. Because alcohol has kind of become, you know, where before I said weed was the, uh, Drugs were the major. Alcohol was minor when I was in NA. I never really considered myself an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I was drinking, you know, in ways that I never did before. I'm, 20, sure. I'm over 21. I can go into the store and buy it whenever mm-hmm. I want. If I yeah. got five bucks, I'm going to spend it on alcohol. You know? mm-hmm. so I went into AA and uh, I went in high. I was still smoking weed. You know, I still, I actually, yeah. So I said before I smoked my last bowl. I guess that's not true. I drank my last drink. Okay. I'm going into AA tomorrow. And so now I'm an alcoholic, um, but I'm not really a drug addict. Okay. Because at this point, I've convinced <laughs> myself that weed, like Coke, I can't do Coke, but I need weed in my life. Yeah. I have to have weed in my life because I have anxiety, I have depression, and mm-hmm. all these things in the media and society say that, you know, has made weed kind of um, okay. You know, they've, they've made it an okay thing to do. It's legal in Colorado, which, yeah. by the way, was... The real reason I wanted to move back. Aha. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't get in trouble for doing what you want to do. I couldn't get, get in trouble it. for smoking weed anymore. I get so it. That seemed but like yeah, paradise. Once they made it legal, because um, I hadn't sobered up yet, I still couldn't go to, I couldn't go buy it without feeling like I was going to my drug dealers. Um, so <laughs> yeah, same and, kind know, of weird feeling. Yeah, so st- it's still just, yeah, it didn't feel right. So, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. weird. Yeah, that was, that was weird. So, <laughs> so now we're an alcoholic. <laughs> now we're an alcoholic and, uh, yeah, I came into my first meeting and I was stoned and I went for, you know, every day, uh-huh. and I, you know, I was in there because I, I want to change, but also clearly I wanted to get my wife back. I mm-hmm. needed, I needed somebody, you know, cause I, she saved me at this point. She was sustaining my, my way of living and everything. 
And so that's why I walked into the rooms, you know, more or less looking back at it at the time. That was not the case. Yeah. I'm getting sober for me. And that's what I would tell her. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was going to meetings on a daily basis was just miserable hiding in the corner and hearing stories from people, hearing everybody laughing. And I just Mm -hmm. was not happy. You know, everybody knows that feeling and uh, you know, started eyeballing some, some uh some men in the rooms that i was like they seem like they have what i want you know mm-hmm. they seem like they're successful they're happy um so that that process started slowly and i ended up i ended i started sharing honestly a little bit okay and eventually because of that i never told anybody i was high so i'm like that's none of their business <laughs> but eventually when i started sharing honestly you know, I realized I need to stop smoking weed too. Mm-hmm. If I really want to do this, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I have any uh, sober time right now. Yeah. You know, but the only requirement for AA is desire to stop drinking. That was my thing. <laughs> so I can come yeah. in high as I want. Sure. It's in the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I stopped, that was, uh, that was why my sobriety date is October 11th and not October 1st. Oh, okay. All right. right. So I restarted okay. my sobriety time, which everybody applauded. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a good job. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, just kept going to these, that same meeting and you know, my wife, she never came back. You know, okay. things ended up, we just ended up just kind of parting ways. Um, but I, I kept going to meetings and eventually got a sponsor. My first sponsor was, a crazy dude that, you know, knew the book really, really well. Uh-huh. Knew some Christian stuff, which I kind of liked. Um, but he, he was, he was an odd ball. He was an odd individual. He, and en- he ended up like his phone was off for a while, which I thought was weird. He couldn't pay, uh, pay for it. And then he ended okay. up asking him to move in with me. Uh, <laughs> like, this is weird. So I ended up just stopped. I stopped calling him, got another sponsor okay. who was very, very strict. Mm-hmm. And wanted me to call him every day. There we go. And call three other alcoholics. Accountability. Every day. So, yeah, he, he started that. And I lo- I really enjoyed that. But after a while, it kind of wore on me. And I, mm-hmm. I ended up, I rescheduled a couple times. And he ended up firing me. Okay. Um, <laughs> which was a weird feeling. That's a horrible mm-hmm. feeling to be, you know, two or three months sober you feel like you're doing everything right and your sponsor fires you mm-hmm. i felt like i was doomed to drink again like yep. if he thinks i'm gonna drink again then i'm probably gonna drink again mm-hmm. so that was a weird feeling it was almost like my divorce feeling like yeah now what am i gonna do um and eventually i, I asked some people like who do you think would be a good sponsor and um one of, one of my friends in, in the meeting just pointed at some guy this guy would be good and i was like i'll ask him and I asked him, he's been my sponsor ever since. And okay. he's, he's got a more laid back approach, you know, um, but I've worked all the steps with him at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing with sponsors is, you know, we can, we can try, but we're going to find our comfort with a person. You know, it's just kind of, and it sounded like you didn't really need a super laid back guy or a super strict guy. Right. You needed somebody kind of in the middle there. Um, yep. the thing is, is that's where recovery is, you know, 
people that are in recovery and do all the steps, we live in the middle. We live in the gray areas. You know, we don't live in black and white. Um, right. Because then I don't get to see the beauty of gray, man. Um, I don't get to see all the other stuff going on. I stole that line from live. It's a band. <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing original there. Ed, Ed Kowalczyk came up with that line when he was 19. Um, but that's fantastic. So, so you moved from, you moved from Aurora to, to Thornton. Uh, you've been sober yep. coming up on, on two years now. Um, what, what's life like for you now compared to? Oh man. Um, you know, it's obviously different. Obviously. Certainly. Yeah. I've had multiple years before, uh-huh. um, so that, you know, the time is the same, but the feeling is, I believe is different. Ah. Life for me now is <clears throat> still difficult. Sure. Time, you know, but I have a whole different outlook. You know, the book talks about in the back, uh, the AA book talks about a spiritual experience and it talks uh-huh. about, you know, um, most, most members, um, you know, believe that the first thing that comes as an immediate overwhelming God consciousness. Sure. Yeah. And then a change in feeling and mm-hmm. then a change in outlook. Yeah. And I got to that feeling part before where I felt better. Okay. But I don't think my outlook changed because yep. I was still relying on myself. Yeah. And you never did that four step. That never did that ever that ever looming four step. Yeah, it's very common that people get to the yeah. fourth and go out from what i hear no i could i call it the aa shuffle yep. one two three slip one two three slip it's yep. a hard step to get to and if you have not given your your will in your life over the care of something bigger than you it's just not see that's the thing is our honesty will come out during that so if we're not ready yet that can usually determine uh since your sponsor at one point knew you weren't ready so he did you a favor. He did you a favor by firing you. I would never yeah. fire a sponsor. Wow. Uh, sponsee. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just cool to see how God kind of inserted. He's like, nope. <laughs> he, he kept saying, uh, Jay, no. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. And, and after a while, you started to listen. Um, there's one thing that you've said several times. She saved my life. Mm. And I keep hearing that my wife saved my life too. Mm -hmm. So thank you, God, for putting these people in our lives that care about us, that love us enough and understand enough us until we can do it ourselves. You know? Yeah. Even, even in some of the roughest times, there still was God acting in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, even when we made the decision to go against his will, you know, yes. There, yep. uh, there was, uh, you know, from the life that we've led, we, you know, we should be dead a million times over. But the reason that I'm here, which that just means I have more work to do, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of work to be done. But what's cool is this is a we program, so I don't have to do it alone anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, you were talking about, you know, how your thinking has changed. Now, if something bad happens to you, you probably don't isolate you're probably like oh i need to call my sponsor you know we don't think about drinking we don't go to that place anymore what we do is we think about what's going to fill the hole in my heart 
with something that's healthy. That's right. No, um, you know, not the little white substance or, or, or alcohol. Um, fantastic. Jay, thank you for coming on today and sharing. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be kind of nerve wracking doing this. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate everybody coming on, you know, I think it, I think for everybody, this, our stories kind of seem the same, but we come from different backgrounds. And, you know, who's to say um, that you're an alcoholic because your parents were alcoholics or just because you have a predisposition? But unfortunately, there is, we can see it. I don't know how, but it's not for me to figure out how I became an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a disease. And does it skip generations? Does it do this? Does it do that? You know, our story, but the thing is, is some people believe that some people don't and that's okay. That's all right. We can still come together because the solution's still the same. That's right. So, um, you know, I'm a big proponent, you know, I'm an AA guy, but AA is not the only way. And, but you're still going to do the work. You're still going to do a four step people. <laughs> That's not gonna, it doesn't matter if you go to recover simply or you know any any of these other places you're still going to do a four-step so you can't avoid it and the relief that you can get from it is absolutely amazing right so um jay fantastic job today thank you for being on yes and, and sharing your story um i i certainly appreciate you taking time out of your day and and helping us uh with with raw recovery oh my pleasure and thanks for what you guys are doing this is a really cool platform for people to tap into that are looking for a little bit of inspiration and a good place for people to go and share their story you know a lot of times in the meetings and stuff people don't get to share their whole story mm -hmm. you know not everybody gets in, invited to be a speaker at yeah. a speaker meeting so yeah um yeah, and a lot of times that can be, well, that person talks real well in the meeting, so I'm going to ask them to speak, um, or the more popular kids, yes. you know. Yep. Um, what I really like about this situation is, number one, there's no video. So the person that is talking to us is anonymous, yep. you know. Um, so, and that's, and that's what we do here is create safe spaces for people to come and tell their stories. What's cool about telling your stories also, uh, what's fantastic about telling your stories is it not it doesn't only let other people or give other people hope, but it can be a relief for you also. Um, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life, including being a counselor. Um, and that's essentially what we do is we sit here, we have a conversation about life and what's important in life. And then we take those and we leave and then we go apply them in our daily lives and help other people. So, well, thank you everyone for being on today, for listening today. Um, I hope everybody has a great Friday evening. Uh, we will be back again Tuesday for another episode of Raw Recovery. This is Dion Miller signing off. I love you all. Peace out and have a day.